When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the first episode of Series 28, everyone. This series, we are finally covering a game that we've been wanting to cover since before we actually started the podcast, mm-hmm. Numenera. Uh, and we're very, very pleased that we got to do this series with none other than Darcy Ross. The Darcy Ross? The Darcy Ross, yes. Um <laughs> But before we get into learning all about this game and a bit about Darcy, uh, we have some actual announcements this time. We do. First up, we hope that you are all able to utilize your extra time well with our break last week. We both really needed the extra time off and appreciate your patience as we work to stay healthy and not burned out. Mm -hmm. This month will be the same. Um, We don't have an Evolution Cast episode planned for the end of the month. Also, June has five Mondays, Mm -hmm. so you'll likely have a two-week break there um, while we do our one normal game per month cadence. If that changes at all, we'll definitely let you know in one of these cold opens or on Twitter. Uh, But for now, everybody, take care of yourselves. Um, We will all get through this together. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Times are wild, and uh, goodness. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Well, in more immediate news, uh, and in conjunction with uh, recording with Darcy, uh, who happens to work at Monty Cook Games, uh, we are pleased to announce that we have a special promotional code uh, that you'll actually be able to enter at Monty Cook Games' website uh, to get $5 off your order. Um, So if you use the code CCC5OFF, uh, that's all lowercase and the number 5, you'll be able to take a solid $5 off your order. Uh, And if you act quickly enough, as of the time of this episode is releasing, uh, they currently have a 50% off promotion for the Numenera Starter Kit, uh, as well as any of the No Thank You Evil products. So uh, that actually means you can get a starter kit for a little over five bucks, uh, which is pretty sweet. Yeah, it's a good deal. Mm -hmm. We'll put the promotional code in our episode notes, too, for everybody. You can take a look there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Other good things? Reviews. 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 Um, we love reading reviews. If you want to leave us a rating or review on um, Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, Facebook, um, anywhere you can leave reviews for podcasts, please do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and we will read it like this one from A Newcomb, uh, which was on Podchaser. A unique podcast all about exploring how to make and play characters in all sorts of RPGs. Great hosts who are charming and positive. My favorite thing is how they discover themes and similarities in character creation in wildly different systems. Plus, great interviews with designers. I'm also impressed how they try to make the content useful for anyone playing RPGs, not just players of that specific game. So good. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah, that was nice. Very nice. (laughs) All right. Well, with that out of the way, uh, let's get on with the episode. Enjoy.
welcome to Character Creation Cast, a show where we discuss and create characters, the best part of role-playing games, with guests using their favorite systems. I'm one of your hosts, Amelia, and in this episode, my co-host Ryan and I welcome Darcy Ross to discuss Numenera, a science fantasy role-playing game from Monty Cook Games. Welcome to Character Creation Cast, Darcy. We're really excited that you could be here. I'm so happy to be here talking about my favorite RPG of all time and the one that got me GMing. And so uh, this is going to be a delight. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. (laughs) Well, let's start by introducing you to our audience. Do you want to tell us a little bit more about yourself and any projects you're involved in? Absolutely. So uh, I'm Darcy Ross. My pronouns are she, her. And I think uh, if I had a character sentence, as we'll be building in today's episode, (laughs) uh, I would be a... uh, Darcy is an enthusiastic babbler who uh, snailologists hard. Um, so my, <laughs> uh, I was a snail biologist for a long time slash gamer, um, and that's video games and role playing games. And uh, over time, I uh, discovered Numenera, discovered that I loved GMing, and I loved this industry as a as a whole. So I did lots of GMing for cons and game stores, and uh, worked with Contessa to support other uh, marginalized gamers. And um, and then uh, from my grad school and down in the snail labs, I got hired by Monty Cook Games, my the company that makes my favorite game, and have been there for the last few years. So um, I've dabbled in other parts of the industry. I've worked with uh, uh, the One Shot Network for A Woman with Hollow Eyes. Uh, mm-hmm. I GM'd that stream. I uh, have my own podcast, Cypher Speak, that's been on hiatus for a while on the Misdirected Mark Network. Uh, and yeah, I've been having a ton of fun getting to help make games and grow the community for Montica Games uh, over the last few years. So it's been exciting. <laughs> that is awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, let's go ahead and get into this. And we're going to start by discussing what this game is all about. Mm. What's in a game? All right. So can you tell us a bit about Numenera? Uh, What's what's the quick elevator pitch uh, for this game? So a billion years in the future, (laughs) nine worlds, uh, eight worlds have risen and fallen, uh, risen to enormous technological prowess, uh, rearranged the planets in the galaxy, seeded the earth with uh, absolutely tiny microscopic little machines called nanites. Uh, There are floating monoliths around. They've discovered space travel and time travel and all manner of amazing science wonders. Uh, But for one reason or another, all of these eight worlds have fallen. And so you play humans on our Earth uh, a billion years in the future on the bones of these ancient civilizations. And so you are people who are... uh, interacting with technology and strange wonders that you can't quite understand because you just, uh, it's just the past is so mysterious, but also wondrous. So it's a game a lot about discovery and exploration, uh, about strange uh, intersections of science and technology, about weird creatures and uh, mysterious effects of ancient technology so advanced as to seem like magic. Mm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I love that. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, there's so like, where do you even start with that? <laughs> I know it's, it's big, but it's big, but there's lots of room for very small stories, and I think mm. that's what warms my heart a lot. <laughs> do you want to tell us what sort of things we need to play this game? Absolutely. Uh, so you just need uh, th- there's a couple uh, in terms of like 
books or what the the core rule set comes in. There's a couple of options, which I really appreciate. Um, Ashes of the Sea is a free PDF you can find on our website, and that has the quick start. So that'll get you um, some pre-generated characters, tell you a little about what characters are about, uh, have an adventure to play through, and um, some other resources to learn how to just jump in with both feet and try out Numenera. Um, If you want to uh, take a step up from that, there's the Numenera starter set. Uh, And so that has uh, some more pretty printed pre-gens and things, has like a longer booklet with setting information, again, an adventure and pre-gens and maps and stuff. Really neat. And then if you want to, as we are doing in this episode, fully make characters, you need either the uh, beautiful orange original Numenera core book that Amelia has (laughs) or the... uh, the newer, like as of last two years, two core book set, Numenera mm-hmm. Discovery and Numenera Destiny. Um, so these were, so Numenera Destiny basically takes the original Numenera experience and adds to it. So it's like not a new edition, it's all compatible, but Numenera Destiny is sort of the second part of the pitch of Numenera, which is, mm. so you're explorers discovering amazing wild stuff, having your total mind blown all, all day long over these cool technologies and weird creatures. Um, but how do we make the ninth world worthy of the title? How do we build a better future with the uh, amazing wonders of the past? And so it's a lot about community building and like crafting mm. and like, like really like working with people to create a better future. And it makes me like really weepy anytime I talk mm-hmm. about it. It's very cool. <laughs> it's the kind of thing that we need right now. Yeah. Uh-huh. But uh, techno- But beyond the book or the rules, what you need is a D20, a D6, and uh, occasionally some percentiles. And imagination. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Uh, so what type of stories and themes is Numenera meant to explore? Yeah, good question. I, you know, I'm a biologist, so I think I, I'm sure I bring a lot of my own bias <laughs> to the game <laughs> and my own worldview. But uh, Numenera is very much a game about like discovery and exploration. And so I think a lot about um, modern day and past like explorers and naturalists, people who are curious about the world around them and uh, go out describing it and trying to understand it and seeking new information. And so it's it's very much like go out and explore a cool thing. And then of course there are dangers when you're going out and exploring. And so it's about surviving and learning to um, carve out safety and community and uh, learning to thrive in a place that might be kind of hostile or at least mysterious and unintelligible to you. Mm. Uh, and then there's a lot about this that, lets you play very smaller stories, of course, that you could do in any RPG, but there's a lot of character creation we'll see that kind of points you towards the other characters. And so there's some of these smaller stories like, you know, I have a weird robot arm (laughs) and I don't know where it came from. Maybe I want to discover where that came from. Or uh, I'm trying to find my lost sister or things like that, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Very cool. So what are characters doing in this game? When we sit down to play, like what what are we doing? Yeah, great question. Uh, You will probably be uh, doing things like, uh, so exploring, like going out and trying to maybe perceive what's beyond that hill, trying to figure out how to get in this strange portal, uh, you know, trying to get to different places or uncover or open or... uh, 
you know, ascertain. So there's that sort of element of it. There's a lot of um, social options, right? Are you trying to convince someone, bribe someone, um, trying to get access to the Aeon Priest so that you can learn some dark secret of the past? Uh, And there's, of course, combat and sort of other like physical trials you might have against um, other entities or against nature itself, right? Trying to Mm -hmm. um, run really fast through the iron wind that is a swirling swarm of ancient nanites that have gone uh, haywire and are repurposing any material it touches along the way. So you might be, (laughs) you know, diving and and running around. So there's sort of... uh, I would say those are kind of the three main pillars that I think about (laughs) exploration, social and like combat slash fighting the environment. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) So there is a lot that's unique about Numenera. What would you say is uh, one of the most unique things about Numenera? Yeah, good question. Uh, The setting is really cool and rich, but I think one of the things that drew me, you know, there are a lot of great settings out there. And I think what one of the things that really captured me for Numenera is um, the kind of player agency options really appeal to me. So this is a little bit mechanical, um, but it's it's also narrative. And so what I mean by that is uh, in Numenera, if you are running away from some, um, you know, babbling dog things with big snail shells on their back. Okay. So you're being chased down by these horrible snail dogs. Um, you know, I want to go climb that cliff and get out of their way. Right. So this is a really tense, cool, dramatically interesting moment. I might want to do better at my climb task in this moment than I do when there's no dogs after me. Mm -hmm. And so what I can do is spend effort. I can spend some points from a pool to try harder. And that brings the difficulty of the task down. Mm. And so I really like that you get these chances to um, decide kind of narratively what matters more to you. When does success matter more to you as a character and as a player? Um, There's also XP for rerolls. So again, if the dice are just not in your favor, sometimes you can still, as a player, shape the the narrative that you want to see for your character. Mm -hmm. You have a little more control that way. Um, And they've sort of expanded that even in the Numenera discovery and destiny with the addition of player intrusions. Mm. So GM intrusions are one of my absolute favorite things of this game. <laughs> it's I, as a GM will bribe you by complicating your life. Uh, I will offer a complication and bribe you with two XP and you can accept my bribery and take an XP and give one to a friend and have some dramatically interesting, maybe dangerous complication, or you can reject me. So you have some choice there too. Um, but with player intrusions, you can spend XP and, uh, say, you know, maybe I'm a character that's very much about like being a social person. I'm very like, I'm a leader. I really sweep people up and I know lots of people. So I could spend an XP as a player and say, oh my gosh, I know I know a great contact in this town. And so again, it's yeah. a way that Numenera has put some narrative control and agency into players' hands in ways that I think work really well for me personally. Oh, that's very nice. Yeah, I, I know there's a few people that I've uh, seen use like plot points and stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, in, in their games, adding that to, to like yeah. D&D and whatnot and having that baked into the system. It's pretty sweet. It is. And I, I when I play other systems, it's perfect. You know, I enjoy many systems. I'm polygamous, but I do miss when I don't have some kind of uh, 
player lever like that. I mm-hmm. like those narrative options for myself. Yeah, yeah there's people like me that will always be like, yes, please mess it up for me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Please, oh, I know. Please ruin me. So fun. Yes. <laughs> and, and because you get the XP, like I found that like, I love gaming with new players and like, I think that, I think that like the XP GM intrusion mechanic really like teaches people to look forward to complications. Complications are fun. Mm. Bad stuff happening to your character can be really fun. And so I love getting to say, I love getting to like say something really dangerous and scary and have players light up because they're excited or Mm -hmm. I hold the two XP up and they're like excited because there's the reward of XP and also like titillated because like, what is Darcy going to (laughs) do? I don't know. I just really love that mechanic. Mm -hmm. I feel like games are always more fun as as things get complicated for yeah. the characters. Like, I always love when we make characters, too, usually picking disadvantages and stuff is one of my favorite things because I feel like that's when characters really come to life. You're and so right. And I love right. mechanics that reward that. Mm-hmm. Like, mm, so good. So good. <laughs> <laughs> Can you tell us a little bit more about the history of this game, how it came about, the different editions, things like that? Yeah, absolutely. So, um... I first heard about Numenera uh, through the video game that was being made shortly after the uh, release of the original core book or um, Mm. shortly before they announced it before the release of the original core book. And what I had heard was Monty Cook, you know, of Planescape fame to me and D&D third edition designer. Uh, Planescape is a really weird setting that's very beloved, cool Mm -hmm. art, very, very strange stuff. And I knew Monty Cook from that second edition setting. Uh, He's also famous for designing third edition D&D and many other things. And so I heard Monty Cook, mumble, mumble, science fantasy, mumble, mumble video game. And I was like, oh my gosh, sign me up. Uh, (laughs) And then I was like, I saw in the fine print, you know, and the forthcoming RPG, like tabletop. And I was like, oh my goodness, Monty Cook is doing a weird his own setting RPG. I was like, sign me up. So I, uh, got into a very coveted slot of a Gen Con, uh, adventure of Numenera the year it released. Mm. And, uh, it totally swept me away. So the story was Monty Cook, you know, in the early days of Kickstarter is, you know, thinking about his, his own creations that he wants to make outside of the D&D brand. And I guess has had this setting he's been thinking about and these mechanics he's been thinking about for a long time and decides to kickstart this project. It gets, he thought it was going to be like a little black and white book, just a cute little one-off project, <laughs> Numenera, just make it and move on with his life. Uh, but it got the Kickstarter got enormous. Lots of people were very excited. Uh, the book got bigger and more colorful and had money for beautiful art and a whole line of books. And so uh, he shortly after realized he had to start a company because it got way too big for one person to do. Uh, I think everyone in this room is probably... Uh, has had the experience of biting off more than you can chew alone. (laughs) (laughs) We're ambitious people ourselves. And so, uh, yeah. And so the sort of Numenera line was born Mm -hmm. and Monty Cook Games was born. And since then, Monty Cook Games has made The Strange. It's made other games that built on the cipher system, the underlying mechanics of Numenera. They sort of realized how it had legs beyond the original uh, setting that Mm. he, he built. Uh, so lots of stuff has happened since then, but, uh, in 2018, we came out with Numenera Discovery and Destiny, which, uh, 
basically took the Numenera core book, that beautiful orange one, and uh, just added some more options to it, sort of updated some uh, language around rules just to clarify things and give additional options as we saw how people played, and then gave a whole other book of huge options, rules options, characters options for Numenera Destiny, which lets you if you decide to engage in this sort of community building, crafting, mm. long-term play that um, is really attractive to some people, but, uh, you know, is sort of opt-in as mm -hmm. far as Numenera goes. You can still play with the Orange Book. Uh, we, are not, we didn't re-release any of the other products, like the cool bestiaries and adventures, mm -hmm. because the rules are all the, still the same, so... Yeah, Very I think cool. that's kind of how it came about. And then I got to be community manager and I've had a total blast. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. I, I would have thought that Cypher system had come first. That's really interesting that Numenera yeah. was the originator. Yeah. I mean, it. it is such a, the core engine is so, you know, th like you didn't have to change anything mm -hmm. to, to keep that core engine the same. So I think it is really a blessing that it worked out mm -hmm. that it was just so portable to so many other settings. And yeah. I've even played like, uh, I had a friend run a like slice of life, kind of mundane adventure, basically like a sitcom style mm. adventuring using the cipher system as sort of a really weird take that engine to a very, mm -hmm. very different kind of experience. And it, Totally still scans. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting because uh, when when I was introduced to Cypher System uh, outside of Numenera, it was a 12-player time-hopping romp yeah. at a catacomb <laughs> with yep. two GMs. And we were going between fighting dinosaurs and and trying to figure out what's going on with this, this weird thing that's going on. And I'm like, this is wild, and I love it. Uh, yeah, see, and like my only experience with Cypher System has been playing No Thank You Evil with the oh, kids. yeah, right. So, like, I mean, obviously that's, like, an easy version of it, but, like, we played that last week, too, and, like, Yay. it was one of my sister's, like, second role-playing games or something like mm -hmm. that, oh and God. she she d invented this Fabergé egg museum, and, like... Oh, I love it. It was amazing. It was amazing. Oh, my God. She was a bubble magician, I think. Oh. Oh, my goodness. Uh, yeah, so like, No Thank You Evil, you make a character sentence, too. I'm a blank, mm -hmm. blank, of blanks. I'm a bubble magician. I yes, love it. With that's anxiety. Amazing. That was... Oh. <laughs> Marge, My heart. Marge, the bubble magician with anxiety. Oh, I love her. <laughs> it was very good. That's amazing. All right. Uh, well, before we get into character creation, uh, there's probably some basic turns and concepts that we probably need to go over. Yeah, uh, let's jump into them. So uh, as I said before, you're going to be building you're a character sentence. So you might be, uh, I'm a stealthy Jack who talks to machines might be a character sentence. Uh, so you're going to have a, you know, adjective noun who verbs, a descriptor type and focus. And we'll kind of dive into that. Your descriptor is basically a jumping off point for role play. It doesn't affect your character mechanically that much, but it just kind of gives you a direction to feel out the personality of the character. Your type is what's most analogous to like a Dungeons and Dragons character class. Okay. So it's like, what general suite of abilities uh, do you have? You know, are you a, a nano who manipulates the nanites of the world to do very, very strange technological or magical abilities? Do you kind of cast spells in some way? Um, are you a jack, jack of all trades, kind of sneaky, roguish type? Uh, you're very like, uh, can be good at different things on different days. Mm -hmm. Are you a glaive who's, you know, really good at... Um, maybe wielding weapons or 
getting through environmental dangers, climbing cliffs. Maybe you're a dancer. Maybe you're very control your body in other ways other than just being a big brutish type. Mm. Uh, and the three new character types in Numenera Destiny are Arcus, Wright, and Glaive. Arcus are, you know, the social leaders. A Wright is person uh, who uh, crafts um, Numenera and tries to understand the ancient technology of the past, mm. uh, collectively called Numenera. And I think I said the wrong word, but uh, a delve is a spelunking type. You know, mm. your your Lara Crofts and your Indiana Jones <laughs> are delves, probably. Nice. <laughs> so that's your type. And your focus is something really weird and special that you do, like, better than anyone else. So maybe you um, speak with machines. You have this strange uh, connection to machines all over the place. Um, maybe you, uh, you know phase through reality. Maybe you um, wield two weapons at once, which seems mundane, but actually you are like the best person who has ever wielded two weapons at once. <laughs> so that's your character sentence. Nice. Um, I'm going to go over a couple other quick things. Mm -hmm. uh, you'll be assigning points to pools is sort of one of your major stats uh, that you have to sort of decide as, as you're building a character. So your pools are might, speed, and intellect, and you have some number of points in them. Uh, you're going to be spending from these different pools to power some of your abilities and also to try harder or spend effort. So that's what I'm talking about when you really want to climb that cliff real, cliff real fast so those snail dogs don't get you. <laughs> you might want to spend some points from your might pool to try harder to succeed in this moment. Mm. Uh, your pool points also add act as your health. So if you are spending points all day long, you're going to exhaust yourself. So there's sort of a balancing act you have to do. Mm. <laughs> um, some other choices you'll be making are things like skills. So skills ease a task that you might be doing. Um, and there's no defined list of skills. So you sort of work with your GM to pick skills between underwater basket weaving and doing stuff. You kind of want somewhere in between those two extremes, like, <laughs> you know, social, pleasant social interactions or stealth or, um, uh, in one game I ran, someone took a lot of skills in doors. Hmm, so we had a lot of like magical portal kind of nonsense hmm. and they took their door skill or I had a friend take a circus skill. They've got circus acts, <laughs> sort of a, a thing they're trained in. Um, it's very fun and it basically applies to lower the difficulty of any task you might do related to it. Nice. And so there's lots of cool conversation about, hmm, does my, you know, does my circus ability apply mm -hmm. here? Wink, wink. Uh, and that's a delightful part of the game. Uh, so the basic rolling mechanic is going to be, um, Things in the world have a chance that have a chance of failure have a difficulty to them. That might be from zero to ten. A level zero difficulty is going to be automatic success. A level one, you'll want to roll a three or higher on a d20. Mm. A level two, you'll want to roll a six or higher on a d20, and so on. So a level ten, you'll have to roll a thirty or higher on a d20, <laughs> which is technically impossible, but not if you are, you know, trained and mm -hmm. you're spending effort and you've got some tools that help you make this easier to succeed at. Uh, so whenever we're talking about skills or possibly effort, that's you're sort of manipulating the difficulty and mm. making things uh, easier for yourself. Um, you'll get XP for leveling up, but maybe we'll save that for the uh, leveling up section. Mm -hmm. And uh, you'll have a suite of weird abilities. So these are things that um, 
are really interesting and compared to other games because Numenera doesn't really, and the Cypher system, doesn't try to be a balanced game. And so lots of your abilities are just strange exceptions to the rules, right? They're very narrative carve-outs. And so there's no formula for what your ability might be. Your ability, if you are someone who phases through reality, you might have a couple low-level abilities that let you spend an intellect and, uh, you know, slowly phase through a wall or become unharmable. Um, you might have an ability that lets you, uh, uh, scan a, a piece of Numenera, an ancient piece of tech, and it will let you sort of scan, a, a, a you know, foot cube or something. And it tells you the level of a thing. So like, how hard is that lock? Uh, or it tells you, you know, the strange nature of it, or, you know, that if you whistle a particular tune, that mechanical songbird over there will lead you to the cache of ancient, mm. uh, treasures that you seek. So there's very strange abilities that you'll be getting from your focus and your type, uh, and we'll jot down on your character sheet when we get there. Mm. <laughs> That's exciting. Yeah, awesome. I love I love like the openness of this. It's- yeah, it's very flexible, but it, it's also like lots of menu options for you. So mm-hmm. it's right. not too overwhelming for me personally. You know, you can make up stuff as you like. But there's also lots of like guidance and like, oh, my gosh, you know, I just came from a day of work. I just need to like look at some options on a sheet. Uh-huh. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> when I'm stuck, it has lots of inspiration for me. Yeah. Yeah. I- that's a hard part of like making up your own stuff, too. It's like you can do anything and i'm like that's too many things (laughs) give me like yeah give me a list of options that i can kind of uh i i love that and i love being (laughs) having a list that you can take and and get inspiration from and still make your own thing yeah well that's what we did with our our last descent into midnight character too we're like here's the list of options or pick none Mm -hmm. yeah oh that's great i love that yeah (laughs) playbooks are great for that too right Uh Right. got lots of stuff to choose from but also veer off the path Mm -hmm. absolutely (laughs) well are we ready to make some people i'm so ready yes (laughs) all right let's make some people (laughs) excellent let's make some people uh, I'm going to grab my books because I have the books. Yeah, I have. I have book. Yeah, that, that will be perfect. Um, I'm trying to remember if this character creation walkthrough is in the orange book. It is definitely in the um, PDF of the character sheets if you want to check it out. So there's basically a little like guide guide for you to sort of walk through all the steps that it takes to do character creation. And that's a handout in the slipcase set for the... Numenera Discovery and Destiny, and it's also yeah. in the free downloadable PDF of Set the character sheets. Yeah, yes. we have that. Huzzah. In our, yeah, on okay, our drive here. All right, got that. Open. And then I'm looking for Destiny, right? Uh, you should look for Discovery. Oh, Discovery. Yeah, the basic character creation rules are in Discovery. The first I have one. the wrong thing open. Oh no, that's okay. I got the book, okay. so I'm fine. <laughs> This thing is I can I just say that the the book is gorgeous. It is so gorgeous. When I first got it, uh basically I played Numenera at Gen Con and then I fell deeply over head over heels in love and decided, well, no one's going to just like let me force them to run this for me. Mm-hmm. And so I guess I have to GM now and so I just took that orange book and like this you know, it's a big you know, chunky book, it is. but the actual core rules are very, um, very short yeah. and really quick. And so lots of what's in there is like rich setting material and beautiful mm-hmm. art and maps and just like 
you know, steeps you in the very particular flavor of weird that Numenera is. Yeah, but I, I think, okay, so like I bought this book used yeah. and it still has like <gasps> the map like all folded up in the here. The poster map. Oh, nice. I'm pretty excited. Like it's like it's never been... Yes. Like somebody didn't even the corners are still nice on this somebody did not give this game a chance oh good well good for you <laughs> lucky me yes oh i've got something too i never Look noticed in the, in the back cover there's there's like this giant thing back here there's a giant map uh in the back of both of our books and i think both of the Numenera Destiny and Discovery. Oh and my I think god! It might be double sided. It yeah. is, but I'm I'm looking at the map. Look at this thing. Yeah, it's huge. And like our bestiaries have really cool maps too. Uh, like with big, beautiful like silhouettes, like a silhouette chart to like compare the gargantuan different size differences of all these creatures. Oh, nice! It's extremely cute. As a biologist, again, it's yeah. like yes, give me the bestiary map. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, this game is uh, this is just gorgeous, like right off the bat. So I'm I'm excited to see uh, what sort of characters uh, we can make out of this. Yeah, um, often where I start is like either kind of a focus or a type. So because you know your type is closest to like class, it's like what you're going to be doing day to day, bread and butter. Um, so there's Nano, Jack, and Glaive in Numenera Discovery and in the original core book, and then there is the Arcus, Wright, and Delve. Um, so do you, either of you have any like? leanings as to whether you want to be kind of like social or whether you want to be spelunky, fighty, uh, you know, like crafty. Hmm. Any leanings? And you can also just like look through the foci I find and they're very evocative. Like, um, you know, explores yesterday is a focus. Uh, dances with dark matter, uh, sees beyond, touches the sky. So Ooh. lots of those can kind of inspire a character concept for me. Interesting. Yeah. I am currently looking through the types. Um, so there's a lot of interesting stuff here. I know, I know. It It is kind of, that. that is one of um you know, pre-gens are helpful for your first time, I think, with Numenera, just because mm -hmm. it's hard to know, like, what you might want to play. But I don't know. I also feel like it's hard for me to know what I want to play in any game. <laughs> this is sort of the, <laughs> it's the, the burden of character creation is like, you only have to make some decisions. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Uh, I do okay on this show. Like, when it comes to, like, I recently started playing a, in a campaign game, though, and I was, like, paralyzed with indecision. Oh, my gosh. I'm like, because this matters. Yes. And, I mean, like, so we make, not that it doesn't matter when we make it for the show, but, like, we never have to play them, so I don't have to deal with any of the consequences of my actions. Yes. That exactly... <laughs> You know, that is kind of why I like GMing more is because I create an NPC and they're probably gone by next session. I don't have to deal with like, yeah, the consequences of my actions. Um, and I often, I really want to dive into James D'Amato's uh, like character backstory book. Yeah. And try that sometime because I think I, I really get paralyzed with like the, you know, how is this character how am I going to bring this character to life over multiple sessions? Like I find that part of the sort of design really difficult and like stressful. So I think that book might help me give me some tools for like breaking it down and not feeling so stressed by the infinite possibilities right. of, you know, writing a character. <laughs> oh, I see. So destiny has a couple extra types. Yeah, exactly. Uh -huh. I think... Mm, I'm gonna go with Nano. 
I kind of want to go uh, Swede. delve. Ooh, fun. Because uh, you, you said uh, Lara Croft and uh, Indiana <laughs> Jones style, and yep. that sounds pretty darn sweet. Awesome. Yeah, and I will say that like human era doesn't try to be balanced, and so even if you have a party of six nanos, they can all feel really different mm-hmm. and uh, and you're not going to, you know, shoot yourself in the foot or anything. But especially for since we're trying to show the breadth of characters, I think it's good to have two different types. Yeah. Cool. So if you've picked your type, you can sort of write that in in your character sentence at the top of the character sheet. All right. And then I would suggest, you know, going to look at the foci next. So pick a, you know, scroll through some foci that look interesting to you. Um, maybe glance over what the abilities they give you are. And um, there's some cool flavor text too. So. All right. We got a delve and a and nano. What about yourself, Darcy? Oh, I get to make one, don't I? Yes, you do. <gasps> yeah. I forgot. You have to make decisions. Oh, no. I have I somewhere to be. I was told that when I, <laughs> <laughs> I signed up for this. Oh, was no. Okay. I mean, you literally could take a pre-gen and pretend if you really I, wanted to. I couldn't. I couldn't hurt your your audience <laughs> like that. Um, okay, I think I'm gonna pick a right because I haven't gotten to play one of these characters yet, and I have hope that someday I will be able to. So, a right is someone who specializes in. Studying the Numenera, you know, ciphers and artifacts of the ancient world and trying to tinker with them and create new things based on them, you know, trying to like, although we can never fully understand the ancient technology of the past, maybe we can kind of hack together some cool stuff from it or understand little pieces of it well enough to kind of create new effects for ourselves. So I will be a right. Nice. Wow. These are descriptive. <laughs> the folk guy. Yeah. yeah. Well, I've got uh, I've got both uh, both open. Uh, there's a couple that are kind of standing out to me right now, uh, but I want to read through the list before I make a decision. Yeah, legit. So right now, I I the two that really stood out to me right away was moves like a cat. Yeah. Um, or dances with dark matter. Oh, so fun. Uh, yeah. This is this is wild. Yeah, one thing I tend to think about when I'm creating a character is like you can kind of um, with the type and focus, you can kind of like lean into a character niche and be like, okay, my focus really uh, makes me an even better type, right? Or like those two work together really well and they're like very much doing similar kinds of things. Or you can kind of use the focus to like branch out and have a very different kind of thing. So like you know, if nanos are the wizards of Numenera, like, you know, maybe you want to be a really fighty type, but you want like some weird kind of magic-y nonsense as well. So maybe you pick a focus that gives you something that kind of gives you spell-ish abilities, right? Like mm-hmm. that could be um, bears a halo of flame uh, is sort of one. A halo of fire. Who fights with panache. I like that <laughs> I know. It's really fun. Fights uh-huh. with panache is great. And I saw there was a Explore Stark Places, which would probably be really good for uh, a delve. A delve. Yeah. But that seems too predictable. <laughs> I know. This is always the decision. I'm like, okay, 
do I do I want to match or buck against the sort of uh-huh. matching? I kind of want to go with Howls at the Moon. <gasps> Yay! Oh my gosh, I love that focus. The Fandible podcast folk had a, a Numenera long shot, a long running campaign, and they had a lot of fun with, um, I think it was them anyway, with a Howls at the Moon character. And then, you know, if you're kind of like canthropy driven, you know, what creature is it you turn into is always a big question. You, know, you can make one up, you can pick one of the weird ones from the book. Pretty fun. I'm noodling about craft solutions because like, I just love that nonsense. Uh, sort of deceit and being able to sneak through stuff with, you know, so uh, the ability that my tier one focus would give me. So you always start with a focus with the first tier abilities unlocked. And then later on, as you advance your character, you can spend XP, level up, and get access to more of your foci abilities. I also really like being a skill monkey. So when you first start out in Numenera, uh, you get skills from your like type or focus or descriptor. But, uh, you know, you might pick options that don't give you a lot of skills and that's okay but as you level up later on you can always like you're going to be adding skills uh that you make up as you like and you can sort of lean more into skills later as you decide to spend your xp in that uh so people like i don't know i find that players tend to gravitate differentially toward like ooh, do i want lots of abilities or do i want lots of stuff like the ability to carry ciphers or do I want lots of skills? So I'm just like really good at all kinds of different tasks. And I think all of those are valid and uh, supported by the system. So whatever your heart desires. Mm-hmm. So many good options. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to do craft solutions. All right. I'm going to go with moves like a cat. Cool. So you're a delve who moves like a cat. Yeah. Then after that, you want to pick a descriptor. So are you a you know, tough, swift, rugged, uh, confident, committed, beneficent, articulate, meddlesome, obsessed delve who moves like a cat. (laughs) Yeah, so your descriptor will give you some role-playing jumping off points, probably some skills or some extras to your pool, uh, to your different pools, and uh, maybe some abilities. Hmm. Yeah. Let's see. Oh, I see there's a, there's a list of these as well that you can yes. choose from if you like. Yep. So all of these are sort of on the menu yeah. and uh, are not hard to create either if you if you get sick of these. Although I've, I've been playing Numenera for many years and I have not gotten sick of the options. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> I'm kind of thinking about a nurturing right who crafts solutions. Mm. It's kind of a – I was thinking kind of more like mad scientist type for a while, but like I kind of like – Maybe like the, I, I can't think of a good character example, but in my head, it's like, I feel like Uncle Iroh in like Avatar is very nurturing. I'm just like, imagine kind of an Uncle Iroh type, like, you know, sitting you down after a long day of adventuring and bringing you a, a tea with some weird properties in it, that I, you know, <laughs> strange nanite infused tea. <laughs> How about you, Amelia? Yeah. I'm thinking I'm going to go with prepared. Oh, that's a good one. I'm going to go with uh, Serene. Ooh. I don't have anything in mind yet, but uh, I I think I'm just going to piece the puzzle together and see what comes out. 
Yeah, that's great. That's a great way to do it. <laughs> so you're a serene delve who moves like a cat. Mm-hmm. And Amelia is a prepared nano. And I am a nurturing right who crafts illusions. Cool. So there's there's a lot more to these three items that you're choosing uh, than I had originally assumed. Yeah, it takes a minute to go through all of it, especially your type. You get some options within it, right? Mm -hmm. So you'll start with uh, some starting points in your pools, and then you'll get to distribute some extra points where you wish. But then you need to pick your kind of starting abilities. And Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, as I go over to my right... I think it's easiest to start with the type just like you did with the choice mm-hmm. as you sort of write it all out in your character sheet. Okay. So um, I would go to Delve. Mm-hmm. Uh, where are you, Delve? Okay. So we have our stat pools and then more to spend in between them. Yes. Okay. Hmm. Should we walk through type together? Would that yeah, be useful? if we could, uh, yeah. because I don't know what I'm looking at. Yeah, that's totally fair. So when you go to like first tier rights or for you, first tier delves and first tier nanos Mm -hmm. for Amelia, it'll kind of walk you through what you need to fill out on your character sheet. So all of our effort is one. That means that if you, for any given role, you can spend a maximum of one level of effort on it. So you can bring its difficulty down by a level, easing it, uh, which means you have to roll uh, three points lower on a D20, basically. So Mm. you'll level difficulty one tasks that you spend effort on will become automatic successes. So later on, you'll be able to spend more effort on a given role. You could, you know, really hit those difficulty 10 uh, die rolls where you need to hit a 30. You can bring those down by a bunch of levels. But for now, our effort is one. And so there should be a spot in your character sheet where you can just fill in one. Uh, Then it goes kind of through... uh, what your edge is. So I am an inventor. And so I have an intellect edge of one. So edge is basically an ongoing discount you get to a certain pool. So nanos and uh, rights are very like thinky people. Um, You know, we spend our days doing very thinky things. And so we're not going to like wear out our brains. We're used to it. We're sort of trained to do it. And so spending from our pool costs us less. So it's like a fighter, right? Like someone who's trained, someone who's like a fighter for their day job, you know, they're a glaive. They're swinging swords around all day. Uh, They can do their basic swing all day long and it won't wear them out because they've built the sort of structure for that not to wear them out. Mm -hmm. They'll still get worn out if they do their big, huge swings or they're, you know, leaping across a chasm. But for basic stuff um it just doesn't tire them out as fast as it would tire say darcy out mm-hmm. <laughs> so your edge is going to be uh, a discount to any spend you do from that pool nice. so some of your abilities might cost one intellect point if you have an intellect edge of one they're free do them all day long mm. pretty cool nice so i have an intellect edge of one uh and your delve do you have a choice of uh your edge i have an intellect ev- edge of one a speed edge of one and a might edge of zero Ooh, you get two. Very yeah. cool. Fancy. That's awesome. Nice. I just have an intellect edge of one. Nice. Me too. Cool. Well, for a delve, you've got to be uh, quick on your feet and quick on your mind, mm-hmm. I guess. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, 
So cipher use is the next thing your type tells you. So this is about, you know, when you're wandering around the world of Numenera, there's strange technology all over the place and you can try to use it for yourself. You might not understand how it's supposed to be used. You might not understand, you know, how dangerous it is or like, uh, you know, how to use it perfectly. Mm-hmm. And so ciphers are both very useful and dangerous. You know, I think about like, you might go spelunking down in some ancient facility and like pull out like a spark plug kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And like, you've realized that if you put two of the wires together, you can create a bomb, <laughs> right? That's the sort of thing a cipher is. Although sometimes they're very odd and sometimes they're kind of more mundane. Mm-hmm. So Ciphers are how many, your cipher use limit is about how many you can safely carry together. So our Nano and maybe our Delve are probably going to be better than, uh, than some other folks at it. They've, they've experienced more ciphers. They know how to like shield them from each other. They know how to be more careful around these dangerous items. So as a right, um, I play around with Numenera all the time. And so I actually have a cipher use limit of one, uh, uh, of, of sorry, of three. Oh, okay. So I can carry three ciphers safely at any one time. Nice. Um, these are kind of like one shot items. And so you kind of want to be moving through them often enough anyway. Mm-hmm. But if you find like a really good stash somewhere, you can take beyond your cipher limit. You just start to roll on a random table of like things that go wrong, which is very fun. Mm-hmm. So I'm what definitely I, picking up more than three at a time. <laughs> good, 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 good. Yeah. So our Nano definitely has three. What about you, Delve? I've got two. You've got two. Cool. You know, you're focused on getting in and out safely a little more than you are the things you're dragging with you. Mm Mm-hmm. Very cool. All right. So next up uh, on my list anyway, let me know if your list shows you something different or a different Mm -hmm. order. Uh, It talks to me about weapons. Like what weapons can I use uh, without penalty basically? And so mine says I can use light weapons without penalty. Um, I have an inability with medium and heavy weapons. So they're harder for me to use. I just haven't practiced with them. Um, That's a thing I could try out later. And so my attacks with medium and heavy weapons are hindered. It means like it's harder for me to use them by a level. Mm. So if I'm trying to like hit a level three creature, it's actually going to be a level four for me. Cause I'm like, if I'm using this big ax that I don't know how to yeah. use, cause I'm bad at it. Okay. <laughs> how about you? What can you use? I can basically use light weapons. Yeah. I've got is light, probably my specialty. Light and medium for me. Ooh, nice. Yeah. So where, where do we record that on the sheet? Um, I would put that down in your, let me pull up a character sheet. Special abilities. I would put it in special abilities. Okay. This is sort of where you you could conceivably write everything you're seeing on this type one in your special abilities area. Okay. Yep. Um, Yeah. So mine is add, uh, if you wield a medium weapon, increase the difficulty by one step and two steps for heavy weapons. Ooh, cool. So, not good at weapons. <laughs> but light weapons you're fine with. Light weapons and I'm fine. what's nice about light weapons, yeah, so how like uh, weapons work in uh, the Cypher system is they're sort of light, medium, and heavy, and mm-hmm. light weapons do two points of damage, medium do four, heavy do six. And oh, so right. you're not rolling for damage mm-hmm. as you play this game. Um, uh, and light weapons are a little easier to hit with. Mm-hmm. So uh, they, if I'm trying to attack a level three snail dog, uh, it's, if I'm using a slingshot at it, it'll be only a level two to hit because they're so easy to use. 
Um, if you want to do extra damage with weapons, you might have special abilities or you might spend effort to uh, apply more damage. You know, mm. you really swing harder with that. Uh, you take that big aim or that big draw of your bow. You spend some points from a pool and you try to really nail them with a lot of damage. Mm. <laughs> Cool. So that's weapons. Mm -hmm. We'll be uh, getting some equipment to look at later. Skills are next. Um, you may have some. You may not have a lot. Uh, as a right, I'm trained in crafting Numenera. Uh, I can also pick a different kind of crafting skill in which I'm not already trained. So crafting Numenera, maybe you want to craft like... I don't know, weapons or armor or like um, clothing. Maybe I'm like a tailor. Uh, who, who could say? Yeah. Uh, choose one of the following additional skills. So I get salvaging Numenera, which is like taking it apart in a health, helpful way. You know, how much mm -hmm. do I get out of deconstructing that strange uh, Tesla coil over there? Mm -hmm. Understanding Numenera, like just figuring out, okay, what if I press that button, what's going to happen? <laughs> uh, engineering, woodcrafting, armoring, weaponsmithing, or a different crafting skill. And I have an inability in salvaging Numenera and understanding Numenera. Mm. So uh, I start out kind of bad at figuring out what Numenera are and gathering them. Mm -hmm. That's what delves are for. Yeah. Delves are good at... <laughs> salvaging stuff. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm good when I got all the pieces nicely laid out before me, but I have a hard time understanding what pre-built stuff does mm. unless I sort of put that ability up. So your skills usually come in three different types. You have your trained skills, your specialized skills and inabilities. Mm -hmm. So, um, something you're trained in, it's eased by a level, something you're specialized in, maybe you got that skill from two different places or you've upgraded it, it eases any task related to it by two levels. Hmm. And inability means it's a level harder. It's um, So I have some inabilities, I have some abilities. Mm -hmm. I have some training. Nice. So I've got, um, I, I start with salvage, uh, salvaging Numenera, mm -hmm. uh, trained in that. Also trained in exploration. Ooh. Um, oh, you're trained in an exploration skill in which you are not already trained. Oh. Is there multiple exploration skills? Uh, there are probably some that you could look uh, find in examples across the book. Uh, there is, if you look in the rules, there is a big, like, skill list. Okay. Um, sort of example skills. But you could just make something up that sounds related to exploration to you. That oh. might be climbing. It might be swimming. Uh, it might be, maybe it's perception. You oh. can make an argument for that. Just something that speaks to your right ability. Oh, so it's not like uh, exploring is just a generic catch-all. It's a, like, more specific what you do during exploring. I think so. I think that's what that's saying. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, because I'm a min-maxer at heart, <laughs> I need to find my skill. Nice. Let's see. So... I don't have anything for skills. Right. I have esoteries. Yes. So uh, the nano doesn't automatically start with any skills, but you might get some from a focus or a descriptor. Interesting. So you have esoteries, which is cool. That's like the name for your special abilities that you get to choose from from your type. Um, as a right, mine are called, let's find out, uh, inspired techniques. So yeah. we all have different lists of cool abilities we get to pick. So I've got some other weird stuff from just because I'm a, I'm a weird write and I work with like a subsystem for crafting. So I'm going to write that down. Hmm. And I think I'm going to be an armorer. I'm into it. 
go climbing for my exploration skill. Cool. I couldn't find the skill list, unfortunately. Oh, let me find I can find that for you. But that sounds good. <laughs> yeah. Uh page twenty seven of Discovery. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's just a little sidebar for again, like you can pick any skill, but if you need a list to inspire you, here's okay. some here's some good ones. Oh yeah, okay. So it's uh it, no definitive skill list, but here's some ideas. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Um could I change climbing to parkouring? Yes. I highly uh support this. <laughs> uh I'm I'm really big into playing Assassin's Creed right now. And Ooh. um my character concept is kind of coming together a little clearer now. Nice. <laughs> So I have the ability always tinkering, which is like, as long as I've got some stuff around, I can uh, come up with a, I can create basically a random new cipher that's kind of low level, but just a random cipher. So basically a random cool weird ability that I can choose to use. Hmm. So I'm always tinkering. So what I often do when I'm using a character sheet, um, we have character portfolios that are like really pretty little like character diaries almost with lots of spots for a journal and maps and, you know, kind of people who want to write like lots of stuff or have sketches. Um, but the character sheet is just two pages. And so a lot of times I'll write the special ability in like a summary and then maybe a page number in case I need to like look it up again. Okay. I start with two Numenera plans, which I'm very excited about because I've never gotten to play with this subsystem yet. Hmm. Uh, and so those are plans for like ciphers or devices or vehicles. Um, so I start with two Numenera plans of my choice. Dope. So I'm still on skills, of course. Um, That's totally legit. <laughs> so cho- choose from the following. Uh, there's a bunch of skills listed here. I'm choosing a perception as one of them. Nice. And then it says you have an inability in crafting Numenera and understanding Numenera. I'm good at yeah. finding them, but not understanding them, apparently. <laughs> Our nano uh, should be good at finding, at understanding. Yeah, them. Well, that's an interesting uh, triangle of skills we've got going on here. Yeah, it's kind of a fun I, start. I like that. Um, yeah, I, I'm trained in Numenera and can attempt to understand and identify its properties. That's, that's sweet, awesome. good. Um, and at the end of my skills, it says enabler. Yes. So anytime um, this is this is listing lots of like weird abilities you might have. Uh, whenever you see in Numenera or the Cypher system enabler, that means like you don't have to activate that ability. You are always trained in this stuff. It's enabled. It's ongoing. Doesn't cost anything. Uh, there are some like abilities that you might have to, that may, they might be free, but you might have to say, you know, I, I am activating my cool weird phase shield. And so then it'll say action to initiate. So it's just to rem- like, it's a little redundant, but it's redundant in the way that sometimes you're scrolling through the book and you want <laughs> to find the answer right away. <laughs> so Cool. All right. Um, and then it says community explorer. While you are present within a community and actively and personally working on behalf of that community, the community's effective rank for purposes of finding resources, locating new trade routes, knowing about conditions just beyond the community and detecting sneak attacks by enemies is plus one. Nice. So this is, you know, if we started like um, a little village or decided to help out a village, we could play this like long term play in which, you know, are we helping the village 
grow and become a, a place that's a safe haven for refugees in this area. Mm. In which case we want to play over a few months where we're building houses or we're foraging for new resources to help people, you know, escape this war or something or escape the iron wind. Um, and so there is a subsystem for like kind of treating the community as a character and having a delve around helps with certain things. Having a nano around helps with others. Having a right around helps with others. Mm -hmm. So we're basically like, if we're helping the community, how do we impact its roles? So it's, um, you know, if you're not playing a game where you're like situated in a community, that stuff won't come up a lot, but mm -hmm. it's, it's really there for people who want it, which is super fun. That's lovely. Yeah. Um, I, I've been playing uh, beyond the wall recently and, uh, that's all about community, and I'm, I'm really big into that form of role play right now. Interesting. Yeah. Oh, cool. I have to. I'll have to try that. It's really fun. Uh, it's like D and D light, uh, where you build a village along with your characters. Um, and, uh, here for it. And you yeah. don't. You don't. You don't roll your stats. You uh, you craft a backstory through tables, and the backstory gives you your stats. Oh, I love it. Yeah, it's it's quite lovely. Thank you for joining us for part one of this character creation series. We'll be back in part two, picking up right where we left off. Character Creation Cast is a production of the One Shot Podcast Network and can be found online at www.charactercreationcast.com. Head to the website to get more information on our hosts, this show, and even our press kit. Character Creation Cast can also be found on Twitter at CreationCast or on our Discord server at discord.charactercreationcast.com. I'm one of your hosts, Ryan Bolter, and I can be found on Twitter at LordNeptune or online at lordneptune.com. Our other host, Amelia Antrim, can be found on Twitter at gingerreckoning. Music for this episode is used with a Creative Commons license or with permission from the podcast they originated from. Further information can be found within the show notes. Our main theme music is Hero Remix by Steve Combs and is used with a Creative Commons license. This podcast is owned by us under Creative Commons. This episode was edited by Ryan Bolter. Further information for the game systems used and today's guests can be found in the show notes. If you'd like to leave us a rating or review, we have links to various review platforms out there, including Apple Podcasts, in our show notes. Also, check the show notes for links to our other projects. Thanks for joining us. And remember, we find that the best part of any role-playing game is character creation. So go out there and create some amazing people. We will see you next time. Gotta read some show blurbs. Show blurbs. Show blurbs. Show blurbs. Show blurbs. Character Creation Cast is hosted by the One Shot Podcast Network. If you enjoyed our show, visit oneshotpodcast.com where you'll find other great shows like System Mastery. System Mastery is a delightful stroll through the history of role playing games. Except the games are terrible and the hosts are real jerks about everything. Join hosts Jeff and John as they explore the weirdest games ever made to talk about what worked, what went wrong, and which Silverhawk was the best. It was Hot Wing, don't even add us.
find their shows at systemmasterypodcast.com or oneshotpodcast.com. Finally. <laughs>